Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. I have another book author, and we are talking about breaking free from burnout, which we all suffer from. Um, And I think this this is going to be a really great podcast and topic with my guest, Amy Minguera. And um, before I bring Amy on, I just really wanted to get that last name right. And it was fresh in my mind. And I'm going to give you a quick intro about Amy. And so um, she's recognized by the uh, New York City Journal as a top life coach to watch out for um, in 2022. Uh, Amy helps people all over the world live burnout free by bringing clarity, direction, and positive habits into their lives by filling the gap between where they are now and where they want to be. Uh, she's a four time entrepreneur with successful acquisitions. Uh, Amy has turned her focus to corporate and group burnout coaching, helping build resilient employees and influence. Uh, healthy cultures. Amy is the author of The Path to Break Free from Burnout. She's a keynote speaker and creator of the Beyond Burnout Group Coaching Framework. Uh, And with this framework, she works with individuals and employees to build strategies to manage stress and prevent burnout. She also owns a custom jewelry company that creates fine jewelry for runners called Victory Company. Um, She also has a self-care podcast, uh, Life on My Terms. And uh, She brings thousands of listeners worldwide to that podcast, and she chats with experts to help listeners become 1% better and take charge of their lives. And then fun facts is Amy is an avid runner and an avid six world major marathon series finisher amongst first, the first 2000 women in the world to compete with the series. Uh, And when she isn't running, Amy volunteers as a coach and program sponsor for Girls on the Run a national nonprofit organization dedicated to strengthening girls' social, emotional, physical, and behavioral skills to successfully navigate life experiences through running. She lives in St. Petersburg, Florida uh, with her husband, her son, and her French bulldog. Please welcome Amy to the podcast. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. So excited to chat with you today. Absolutely. When I read this, it makes me feel, which is my own issue, very lazy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but everyone's uh, level is all different, but you, um, avid runner, you know, all these businesses, it's fantastic. Well, it's also what led me to write my book because I am a recovering chaser of busy. And as you can see from my bio, I struggle with white space and slowing yeah. down. I'm there with you. It's very, it's, it's very difficult to just like, yeah, be, just be right. Yes. Um, so I was in a, in a, in a, an atmosphere of very like chaos, unpredictability. And now that I am like removed from it, it's like weird. It's like a lot of downtime. Like I, I didn't realize how busy my brain was managing that plus just life in general with three kids. And then like, now it's like, 
don't really know. It's very uneasy feeling to have like zero drama. There's like, I'm on my own terms. I can do what I want. I don't have to like worry about something jumping out at me. So it's like learning and, and, um, re like learning a skill. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so it's very interesting. And then burnout is real. Cause you do like spin, 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 spin. And then you sit down and you're like, I didn't even get anything done. Oh yeah, for sure. And what you said before, I, I find, well, I found in my own recovering of, of being in a real bad burnout, but when I'm coaching clients, um, there's a period of time where when we remove all the stress and we get them in a place where they're healing, they start creating chaos. It's like, they have to go back to that. And so yes. I have to be on the lookout for like, what are they saying? What are they doing? Cause they're, they're trying to fill their white space with other things. It's quite tricky. And for me, I was like signing up for all of these races because oh. I needed that dopamine hit or that feeling of success that I was like, I had slowed down. Right. And I was so used to checking all these things off my list and being so busy. And I know that led me to burnout. But when I removed myself and I started to have this slow period of time, I found myself just signing up for races because I had all this free time. And then I was like, no, Amy, you're just filling the calendar with other stuff. Like yeah. sit still. <laughs> right. And it's funny that you said that like you, you work with people that are fueling like the crazy. And I honestly did that not knowing, cause that's like your conditioned self like you mm -hmm. you don't even realize it and then when someone brings it to your attention you're like that's not even a big deal at all why am I even worried but it, you're just when you're never like that's your like natural like baseline mm -hmm. and then it's not anymore but you still have to be like it's still there because the brain is a funny thing right like it takes a minute it thinks it's still there or like you're triggered by something that's not the same, but the brain still reads it the same way. And it's very tricky to explain it to others and also uh, understand it yourself. Like, well, why do I still feel like this when it's happening this way? And it's not happening that way. And this way was way worse than right now, but it's still like, right. And then it was fueling fights for no reason or, or not even fights, but just drama or controversy. Mm -hmm. And it was like, why there's no reason for it. Cause yes, it's weird. Gosh, you, yes, you, I'm, I've experienced that and I still go through it. So yeah, it's so real. It's like your brain needs reprogramming and it takes a lot of time. It does. It does. Yeah. And like my kids are not here for a week and it's very weird because I've always had them all the time. If they're gone, it was like a, a weekend, which are that itself was already an adjustment, but it's like not getting to talk to them every day, not seeing where they are, not I can't like just check in because it doesn't, that's not the type of relationship that me and their dad have. So it's very like unknown. Like I know what's happening, but it's like, I hope it's not happening, <laughs> but then it's like, what's it going to be like when they come home? Very know what it's going to be like when it comes home. So then it's like anticipation, but you're also like hopeful and it like, keeps your brain going when yes. really it's like, I don't have control over <laughs> any of it no. and you're just going to have to deal <laughs> And I've found that at least with the summer, because it's the first time of uh, a divorce summer, um, it's going to be a disaster. And the mm -hmm. fact that I know it will is great because it's like, if it's better, I'm pleasantly surprised. If it's not, and it is a disaster, I can't say I'm disappointed because I, that was my yeah. expectation, right? And I'm really glad you're getting practice. 
It's like, hard. it's good that you're going through this and you're getting the practice. You're just going to, yeah. So next summer, hopefully will be even easier. We'll see. Well, hopefully yeah. it won't be a thing, but that's yeah. Yeah. All other, all another story, but you know, it's just like one of those things where you have to retrain your brain and I'm trying to find time for me to not do all the things. Like when my kids aren't here, my house is very clean. I mean, my house is clean in general. I make it a point to everything has its place before I go to bed, but I find that I don't have to do that because it's just me. And I (laughs) was like, well, if I left it out, that that's on me. I can't, there's no one for me to yell at or holler or be like, put your crap away. Like that's my stuff. And it's funny how it just, it makes itself back to where it needs to be. And I don't have the extra stuff. I would, the house was clean for the first time after I moved like deep clean. And I even thought to myself yesterday, I'm like, I haven't had to sweep the floor for any crumbs <laughs> or any randomness on the, on like, huh? It's free. It's, it's weird. You know, it's, yeah, very nice. it's an adjustment. Yeah. It's great. So, um, we didn't do the icebreaker, but I do want to ask because all of the listeners love to know what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory. So I'm a cookie fanatic. So I'd say that's my favorite dessert period. Um, my favorite cookie is the traditional chocolate chip. Yeah. And I would say, you know, the cookie memory is just the, the smell and the nostalgia that comes from a kitchen. Like that brings me back to like being with my grandmother, just that smell of cookies and knowing that they were anytime I was going over there, she would always bake me fresh chocolate chip cookies and just the smell of cookies now brings me back to that joy of being with my grandmother, you know, it's like safety and security. Um, but she also let me eat as many as I want. And I guess back in the eighties, that probably wasn't a good tip, but, uh, you know, I came out okay on the other end. (laughs) There's nothing like that smell. Oh, right. The best It's just the best smell. It is that. And I also think Home Depot smells really good. Like that wood. I don't know why that's probably nostalgic for me because I used to go in with my dad and I'm like, yeah. it's the worst store ever. Cause it's just orange and wood <laughs> everywhere. It's very bland, but the smell is like, like fresh cut wood or I don't know it's, or the new car smell, but like, there's nothing like fresh baked cookies. Uh, I love it. What a great icebreaker. That's my favorite one. Uh, I love it. So, and do you, so doing your marathons, do you believe in like a protein cookie? Yeah, but I'm more of the, I like to eat the cookies. Like I, I like to more use them as a carb. Like I, I like to have the cookies. There was a couple of races where I actually broke up cookies into smaller pieces and ate them as solids through the race. Um, instead of having those gels, there was a period of time where I couldn't get that like carbohydrate gel down. There's just something about warm days and taking in a gel. That's like the worst thing ever, especially yeah. at mile 20 when you've been running for three and plus hours. So, um, I've taken cookies with me on runs and, um, it's actually my favorite post race, like just indulgence. I just love, like, I love training time. Cause I think my cookies ramp up at that time too. Do you do like just regular cookies or do you do like the protein ones that they sell like the big one? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I typically don't eat protein cookies. I I don't like the taste of them. I think they taste. No, I think they kind of, you know, my philosophy, you know, there's all these recipes out there. That's like, 
oh, if you don't want ice cream, here's cottage cheese and something. I'm kind of just like, the I want the thing. cookie. It's gross. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I just want the cookie the way that I know and love it. Just give me yeah. the cookie. hundred percent. And I mean, when I have kids, it's like I having a, a podcast called chaos and cookies. I people assume and send me lots of cookies, which uh-huh. right, I'll promote. It's not for me to promote though. It's like, I'd like to at least have an affiliate link, but I, I get these cookies and then I'm just like, they don't just send me one or two. Like, um, I just got some two weeks ago from cookie crate and they were, I was like, there's like a dozen individually wrapped huge cookies. And I'm thinking to myself, like when people send these to me, do they think I'm going to give them my kids? Cause a, like, this is just a bad idea. I'm not going to give my kids these things. Cause not all the time. And B is like, do you think I'm going to eat all of these? Because I would just feel terrible. Like yeah. animal, and I can't get through them enough to where they would stay good. Luckily mm-hmm. it was, I had two kids birthdays. One was on Saturday and one was on that Monday and um, mother's day was that Sunday. So I was like, here you go. Put them mm-hmm. on the table, eat them. But it's, that was just by chance. <laughs> do you think I'm going to eat all I'm five foot one, 120 <laughs> pounds, like I love myself, like I have sweet tooth, but I'm like, Oh, it's a lot of cupcakes. Yeah. I don't really want my kids to have them either, but then my kids always go for the ones I want. Of course. And I'm like, no, wait, no, I wanted that one. <laughs> it would but, always be that way. Right. And then you yeah. don't want to hide it. Yes. Is, is that selfish? I don't know. Is that? No, it isn't. Okay. Cause it's, it's not like, selfish. Bad. Go hide those. Right. Right. Um, so let's jump into this book here. So you wrote The Path to Break Free from Burnout, Recharge and Reclaim Your Life. You're mm-hmm. also experienced like group coacher coaching and you have um, you have lots of different things. So this book, where are you hoping to help people gain? Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, the burnout journey is like a, a pretty tough one because it's a really lonely journey. I think, I think that, um, society has made us believe that if we on our quest to reach whatever's next, right. All the busyness we're chasing when we have all these stressful moments and maybe the health issues and all the symptoms that come with burnout, I think we have this in the back of our mind that they're all going to go away when we reach the next level. But the truth of the matter is, is we continue to see what's next. So we're constantly going up, 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 and we're going down the stages of burnout. We're becoming more um, chronically stressed. It's unmanaged. And we're oftentimes, well, I did it last time so I can take on a few more things. And so when burnout is when it goes unmanaged, I mean, it's, it's a really slippery slope because we see things like isolation and depression. And it's, it's one where we don't go, Hey, I need help. You know, it's one of those ones where we're like, I've got this under control. If I just move a couple things around, I'll be okay. Or if I cancel this meeting with this friend today, I'll be all right. Or maybe I just need a vacation. But the truth of the matter is, you know, in my entrepreneurial quest, I was just in an email marketing agency that from the outside looked amazing. People were like, you're so successful, Amy. You have year over year growth and all of this stuff. But what was happening on the inside is I was suffering from some major health issues. Um, I had a bunch of autoimmune type of health issues pop up. And the way that our medical system is really set up, nobody asks me like, hey, Amy, what kind of stress are you under? 
It's more like, let's treat the symptoms. Let's treat the symptoms. And so you keep going. Um, I was starting to get really, really withdrawn, really isolated. And then one thing I find so, so much in common as I start to really get out there coaching folks is that you get escape fantasies. You get like that feeling of like, I'm stuck. I want to run away. I'm never going to get out of this. It's like this desperate quest to like, you're like on a mission to say like, I need to escape, but you can't because either you're in a job that like supports the whole family or you own a business. And how does one just get rid of their business? You know, it's it's something I had been working for and building. And, um, so with this entire four and a half years, you know, I can sum it up to say that I, you know, sacrifice, I didn't protect my time. I didn't protect my energy. And I certainly did not put myself first. I gave everything to everyone all the time, except for myself. And meanwhile, I was trying to tra- chase like running goals for myself to, to give me something back. You know, I still oh, didn't yeah. want to give that up, but I didn't have white space to be doing marathons. So lo and behold, last January, um, last July, I'm sorry, I, I got sudden hearing loss in my left ear. It was like, I was out for a run. My ear goes pop. And then that's it. I can't hear ever again in this ear. And when I went to the doctor, they were like, wow, your inflammation is insane. And also you have no hearing your body attacked itself. The nerve is severed. So are you under stress? And that was the moment when I broke down and I was like, okay, this is my rock bottom moment. And now I have to do the work. You know, that's the silver lining of rock bottom moments is because they make us wake up, wake up. Yeah. So my quest, when I wrote this book was, well, I'm going to be healing myself now. That's what this whole next phase is about. And so can I document this process for other people? And it became this personal mission. Like I felt it to be true. Like sometimes we have to take our challenges and we have to use them to change the world. And like, this is so prominent. Suddenly I was so awakened to how the the busy moms out there burning out, how cultures and corporations are burning their employees out. And the truth of the matter is, is we have so much more control of burnout than we give ourselves credit for, but we oftentimes are sacrificing our identity, our authentic self, and we're bouncing between people pleasing and envy just to kind of get by, right? And so this book is really a tool. I know how lonely it can be when you're burnt out. And so I thought, couldn't this be a little bit of an accountability buddy to say, hey, I hear you and here's the path to give, get yourself some help. Until you feel stronger to go get a life coach or go get a therapist or literally have an intervention with your family. I talk in my book about my intervention with my family. Mm -hmm. And so that is what the book was. That's what the book's about. It's a, it's a tool and it's got actionable resources. People can access to like help them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, did you ever get your hearing back? It is a hundred percent gone forever. And wow. it's an interesting type of hearing loss because there's no hearing aid for it. Um, my right ear, which is my good ear, it tries to amplify sound. So everything in my life is so much louder than it used to be. So I basically go through my day with a silicone ear piece in like a little ear plug it actually helps the sound because the sound of my own voice and everything is five times louder than it used to be. So my life changed a lot. And what I don't, you know, it was interesting because I was trying to heal myself from burnout, but then I really started to understand that this brought on a whole nother level of health anxiety. 
because I when bet. you suddenly just lose your hearing or something sudden, I mean, you're like, Oh, what else can happen when I wake because up? That there? didn't even happen at like a loud concert. It just happened when no. you went for a run. Yeah. Yeah. Saint, I don't know if you were in St. Petersburg at the time, but not hilly, not a lot of altitude. No, so you even blame the altitude on it. No, my doctor literally said that this is one of the types of hearing losses that usually is induced by your body attacking itself. And when we looked at the inflammation levels, there was a clear correlation to what happened. It was my body being like, it's time to stop. Wow. And it's a hearing. It didn't, that is like an auto, is that classified as an autoimmune then because it did that ish? I am. Yeah. I'm classified now as having an autoimmune disease. Um, but it's so interesting because almost every single client I have either has inflammation or autoimmune diseases. And when I started to do my research for some of my upcoming workshops that I'm doing with some big companies, autoimmune diseases are just, they've been on the rise for the last five years or so. And you know, you really can correlate that to the change in our, like our hustle culture we've got going on here. Yeah. My daughter, she's eight and she has, um, vitiligo and that's typically hereditary, Yeah, but there's none. And it came on when she was three after she broke her leg randomly in our kitchen, like just walking, uh, she's like me, very clumsy. And they said sometimes like trauma to the body or stress the body can trigger. And she it just started and we were just like, yeah. she was three. It's like, you don't want to treat any three-year-old. Now she's eight and she actually embraces it. She really mm-hmm. doesn't want me to continue to take her and get light therapy. We were able to re- not reverse it, but repigment, like repigment. But <clears throat> the p- past two years have been extremely stressful. Going through a divorce, going through all these changes, moving you know, houses and everything and lifestyle changes, right? Her body started popping up more and more spots. Oh yeah. And it was like, she's real. she doesn't look stressed. She's, you know, whatever, but you could see it on her skin. And now that, and we were like, okay, let's get it back under control. And then we could kind of see if it's new spots or if they're going to stop because there's never hormones change all the time. Maybe it'll just stop. Um, notice that her stress level is way less because it's, they come out, but it's the same ones, um, during the winter when they're not out in the sun as much, but I've noticed that there's not a lot of new ones, which shows maybe she's hopefully like less stressed and you just have to pay attention to your body and maybe the autoimmune, because this is vitiligo. The body is attacking the pigment of the skin Mm -hmm. and trying to retrain it but I love culture now because it's like beautiful and it's like people ask yeah. me how I get it and how they can get some. So I'm so glad that she takes it that way um, and try to nurture that. But your body, like I cut all of my hair off last summer, <clears throat> very long hair. Everyone's like, oh. I'm like, it stopped growing. It was thinning. Mm-hmm. It was stressed. I was stressed and it, you yeah. could see it. And I cut it off like to my chin. And I've had short hair. So I was like, whatever it grows back. And the best, like my hairdresser, like the best thing you could have done was cut it because it's like a whole new head of hair. It just needed like a fresh start. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you just bring all these things up because oftentimes we know these things are happening, right? We like, we do 
we know that tensions, usually the body crying for attention, like it, it's happening. But sometimes I just think we're, again, we're just uh, assuming that this is going to go away when like X is met. But one of the things I find the most fascinating, I think, in all my research is just how ill evolved we are as humans to be taking in all this chronic stress. Um, this was a stress response that was, you know, meant to be temporary, like the lions over there, hold on, hide the stress response kicks in for survival, but we are literally living in a stress response almost all day long now. And it is like our body is just so behind in evolution in general to be able to handle this. And yeah, like I think that the scariest part about stress is that oftentimes you don't know somebody's stressed. They might yeah. realize it, but it's not something that's common. And it's even funny when my whole body broke out in a rash in like 2019, that was the first sign for me, like you're mentioning with your daughter and, uh, everyone again, is just like, oh, you have dermatology, you have a, you know, dermatology issues, you have yeah. eczema. And I'm going to myself like, well, Google doesn't even think that I have eczema, right? Like there's <laughs> nothing common here, but so it's, it's so interesting because we, yeah, we just, we push stress off, like, but it often could be stress every time. Yeah. And I think social media now doesn't help because you put out what you want to put out, right? Everyone wants to look yeah. perfect, happy, whatever. Now there are people that also put the bad stuff on, but then it's like, the other way for society to be like, you're just looking for sympathy and it can't be that bad. Right. So it's one like, well, life's so great or your life's not that bad. You're just trying it. Right. Totally. And yes, you are trying, you know, I try to just put out whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, why are we taking the picture of my kid playing baseball? Like what's the purpose of me? Is it me to look like a good mom? Cause I'm yeah. a baseball game. Is it just I just wanted to share my little boy and how cute he looks or, you know, are you trying to be relatable? Like it, there's all these different messages or what things are in our head or why do we feel the need that we need to do that? Do we need to feel like, you know, something for us, but stress and like when I file for divorce and people found out about it, I got what really you, you guys look like the perfect house, couple. you got perfect family, you got two kids. You did I'm like, what you want to like, what I want you to see. Okay. Like yes. that is my control. And if any, like, but there was no space for anyone to ever ask, are you okay? Because I wasn't showing. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like self infliction. It is. Social media is a really interesting one. I, I think the way that you said it was amazing. Like uh, the other thing we're, we're, I think we're always trying to do is oftentimes, like I said, uh, burnout sits between envy and people pleasing. Well, the envy side, we're like comparing ourselves to, to folks. And again, you don't know what's on the other side. And I love that you brought up how much thought goes into posting something because it's like, why adding, why add stress to our lives? Like to, to give the picture that things are perfect, but one thing that I started to do on my own Instagram is pull up pictures from when I was at my worst in burnout and actually post it again with a bunch of like little words around the picture to, sh- to show people what was really going on inside me. Like this one I just put up, it was me like with my sweet niece. And I put it there because I was just celebrating that joyous moment. Like for me, it really was like, you got to take the joy that you have. And 
at the same time, I just got my hearing loss. I was like two months off of hearing loss. I was so depressed having generalized anxiety, like around the clock nightmares. I hadn't slept more than four hours. And so you're just looking at this person smiling and it was like me reflecting back. I'm wearing a mask. Wow. And I wanted people that follow me to see that, you know, like, Hey, I know I posted this and I was trying to give a message to everybody. But at the same time, I think I was a fraud for doing that because here's how I really was feeling. Yeah. I've, that reminds me of like something I've seen before where I'll see someone post like a picture of them in like a bikini and it'll be like what people see, like great abs, great this. Yeah. And then they did a split screen of what I see. It's like, I could be more toned. I'm flabby. Here's my C-section scar. Right. And it's like what people say to me that are positive, but this is what my body dysmorphia is and what I feel. And it's just like sad that we can't just accept that we're not going to look like everybody else or be anyone else. Our lives are all very different. And until you know how to handle your own burnout or your own, you got to deal with you first before you change it. Because you know, something's wrong, but if you don't know how to fix it, typically, I know I did this for a while is because I didn't know. I just brushed it off. Like <laughs> I'll figure it out when I, when I get a minute, I will, mm-hmm. but right now it's just, I can't. So there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm just going to maintain. And then, or the answer to how to fix it. I just didn't like at the time. I was like, I don't like that answer. I know that this is what needs to happen, but I'm just, I'm not a, not ready. B I just, there's got, maybe there's gotta be something else maybe, but deep down, like, eh, probably not. And you're not there. You just weren't prepared. I wasn't prepared yet. I, I wanted to make sure I was in a good spot before making sure that it really was something I needed, but the answers are there. It's just us that are either ignoring it, pushing it off or just kind of like, blindly, like blind ignorance. Totally. Um, I would say the number one coping mechanism, especially for folks that are burnt out is avoiding the issue. And you're right. When you say that a lot of times you lean towards the, I'm not ready yet. Uh, so I find when I'm coaching now, I have to force them to be ready, but that doesn't mean today. It means like, Hey, can we just say 90 days from now, where do we want to be? And then what milestones are you going to be slowly working on to make that decision in 90 days. I think sometimes that is really helpful, right? Cause like, at least, you know, that the, you got, you got the time to prep yourself for that deadline for you. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to make sure that that deadline, cause I did this. I, I told myself, like, if my situation doesn't change by the time my oldest is in kindergarten, then that's it. Yeah. And then something would happen or, or it wasn't a good time. And rightfully so just where I was at, but I, you know, my son's going into fourth grade. I made the change when he was going into second, like yeah. I my sister was like, you said, and I said, I know. Cause I didn't want to move him schools again and again. Right. But then there's other factors that played into it, but it's like, I kept moving the goalpost. Yes. But when I did finally at least set something up, the date wasn't going, I figured out that setting the date wasn't motivation enough for me. So I had to figure out a different, Mm -hmm. um, like threshold, 
for myself to be like, well, yeah. when this happens, because for some reason I just couldn't, no, no, no. Right. So it was when this stuff starts leaking out on my kids, that's my non-negotiable. And that's when I decided. And that's when I started making moves because then it did. And I was like, I, in myself and was at that time was like, whatever I do and however I'm living, that's my choice. That is not theirs. And if it starts to affect them directly, even though it was affecting them directly, because I'm their mother and they're young, but in my head, it was like, if it's going there, then that's it. Cause they don't get to choose. And that was how I, yeah, that's how I, I did it. So you just have to find what works. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, yeah, that's a very sensitive situation. And I'm really glad that you were able to do that. Like find that non-negotiable. I think, yeah, you're right. That is the key. It's like, what is it going to take to change? Yeah. Because the status quo is definitely more comfortable. And uh, I, again, I, I think it's, it's really interesting, especially with like executive moms. They just, it's like, we were talking about it earlier, but it's just that idea that they expect their life to be chaotic. Right. Right. And so sometimes it's like, well, this is my life. It's chaotic. It's like going from all of these work milestones to then the children's, all of their things. And like, this is life. But then years go by and you realize you're depressed and unfulfilled. And it's because you've literally put yourself on the back burner for the last X amount of years. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of, um, recovering from burnout and making sure you don't have it constantly like I call them burnout cycles that you Mm -hmm. avoid burnout cycles is just really knowing yourself and checking in often because we forget that we change every so often, every five years or so. And we need to reevaluate and stop being like, Oh, what I did when I was 20 or what I loved when I was third. No, it's like, what do I love now? Maybe this whole career path I was on, it was been great, but I really want to be an educator or something else. And so the idea that it's never too late to change and we always can optimize our lives is just such a a beautiful thing that we don't tap into enough. And I, you know, and I also think it's really important that when you're setting that goalpost for yourself to take out, which is hard, especially if you're a people pleaser, um, everyone else's opinion about what it is, because to them, it might feel stupid. Like, the, Hey, I'm going to do this before my kid goes to kindergarten seemed acceptable for everyone around me too. And they were, supporting uh-huh. it. but when I moved it, they were just like, well, this is what you said. And I said, well, this is clearly not working. So I need to come up with something else. I had to be like, I'm a, this is what's going to work for me. I don't care if it doesn't sound or fit for you and how you think I should do it, but you have to be so Like you just have to just remember that you got to do it for whatever works for you, just because it worked for Susie or Jane, that's what's working for them. You're trying to get the same place, but you might, you're going to do it a different way. And that doesn't make it wrong or more or less perfect. It's just, you got to make sure that it's for you and not worry about the noise because that will like cloud it and it might make you second guess or rush or prolong. Yeah. Um, I wish we embraced the uniqueness of each in every one of us a little bit more, you know, 
I, I don't know where this, I, I guess we naturally as humans want to compare and like keep up with or model, but I think you, yeah, you said it so beautifully. I think being custom is so unique and, and wonderful and every, what I, I used to value everybody's opinion so much. I no longer value that because you think about it and you're like, wow, this person just entered my life gave me all these tips and maybe redirected my course. And then they jumped out and I'm left with what now I have set my course to because somebody else's opinion, they haven't even been in the thick with me. They haven't been through this with me just from afar they have. And so the other day, somebody asked me, what do I value that I know? What did I used to value that I no longer value? And it's like people's opinions. You know, I unapologetically take course now. And if everybody is against it, that's fine. But if my gut is saying this is the way to go, I am going to trust my gut. I always like to refer to it as finally being in the driver's seat of my car, you know? Right. And that's so weird. If you're not used to that, that's where I'm at now is like accepting that I am in the driver's seat and, and be okay with it. And I, I think because of just, I had to, um, learn at a fast pace. And I also had to be very calculated and very like, it's weird that things worked exactly how I thought. Cause you just have to have, like, you just have to predict and, and, and see, but it's like, no, I'm doing it this way because this is what I am comfortable with. And it's like saying, no, it's not a bad word. No. And saying yes, isn't either. But like doing what's right for no one else is going to look out for you except for you. And I try to teach that to my kids, which is so hard because they're young. And like, I'm teaching them what advocate means. It's like when mom isn't there anymore for you to advocate or help take the front, you have to learn and it might make someone mad, which is a hard thing for them. But you, if I'm not there, because who else is going to stick up for you other than your mom, (laughs) you need to say something somehow to at least make it known, stick up for yourself, say something because no one's going to be able to do it for you because no one is in here and can tell you. So it's teaching them at an early age that you have to advocate. You don't have to do it in a rude way or a nasty way, just a very plain, this is use your feeling words, you know, because no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah. It's so funny that you mentioned that I was just reflecting back at being young myself. And I, um, I think that because I was always so busy and my parents like associated, um, associated like good grades and, uh, being, being successful in sports to be like, please them. I think that I actually missed the stage of saying no, right? So I was always following the, I need to do this because I'm pleasing somebody, right? And then you carry that through and you're like, wow, I picked up this bad habit when I was six. Yeah, me too. It's like, you're you're doing it because it's the expectation of your parents. Same thing for me. I was always in sports. I did ballet. I was on four soccer teams. I was like, um, like symphony, like violin, (laughs) scouts, and I worked. And I was a straight A student. Like I missed out on so many things that I experienced in college at a later life, all because what we wanted. And we're kids. You kind of just that's your 
that's your, your environment. That's what you, right. And it, you miss out on so many things and then you learn it an adult and then you're kind of like, why didn't I do this before? I know the tools or the space. Yeah. I don't, I just feel like I missed out getting opportunities to say no. Yeah. And sticking up for myself. Like all the times when I felt even burnout in sports or just, I am so exhausted from all these, you know, trying to get good grades and having a cram. And then also being into sports, knowing I was making my family happy was just, that was the way to do it. And so I didn't even get to practice. It was making your, your family happy. Like I did. did. I, you know, asked. I have asked them recently and I, they did say, yes, if you would have said this was too much, right. But we just, I think we make a lot of our decisions with the assumption that we know what somebody else is thinking, even the way that we perceive the way they might think about us. We don't know. We just make an assumption that they will make fun of me or they won't like me. Right. So yeah, you're right. I'm glad you asked me that because yes, turns out my parents would have been like, sure you could have dumped off some of this off your plate but instead I was like this makes my family happy this was there they you know this is sort of what I've been doing my whole life but gosh I got to be like burned out in 40 and I'm like I don't even think I've practiced saying no enough in my life right which is at least you can now teach your kids yeah it's okay to tell me no like if it's something you don't want to do and you think it's going to make me happy but you really don't want to do it I want to see you happy. So, you know, stop making, that's my kids right now is I want to make you happy. Mm-hmm. I tell my daughter this all the time because she's always asking, well, which one do you want me to choose? And I'm like, I want you to choose the one that you want. Which one do you want me to have? And I was like, oh, I want right. you to be happy. <laughs> I don't care what I get. Like, I want you to be happy that makes me happy. And that's a, such a hard concept when she, she grew up the she's eight. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. pleasing and she's still like, it's going to make mad. And I'm like, you know what? It's not your problem that this person's mad. You didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing you should be sorry for. That is their problem. Just so you know, like it's okay. And it's so hard as little kids, but if you instill that them early, hopefully they'll catch on quicker. I believe that is true. So you reinforcing that now, I'm sure that she's going to just bounce. She, they're so resilient too. That's the beauty about children. They, they can bounce back. And so, yeah, I think that's great that you're doing that work with her. We'll see. We'll see if it sticks. Um, well, if we uh, want to stick around with you, where can we find your book? Your, your, your energy is just incredible. So I can only imagine your coaching programs. And so if there's a listener out there that wants to take in more and, and, and dive deeper, where can we find you? Yeah. So my website, amymongeta.com, that's M-A-N-G-U-E-I-R-A.com. That's where my book and coaching programs are. I'm also pretty active on Instagram at Project Amy. So you can get some tips and things there. Um, but those are the two, the best places to find me. Awesome. And you also have a podcast, uh, life on my terms um, that where all podcasts are found. It is. And you can connect with that as well on Instagram and my website. Perfect. Well, all the links will be in the show notes for our listeners to, to hear and see and find. And, um, thank you so much for sharing Mm -hmm. and having this really great, powerful conversation. And, um, I encourage everyone to go and check you out grab a copy of the book and um, 
you know, if you are feeling burned out to please find Amy. Thanks for the chat. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. And um, thank you for listening to another episode of the chaos and cookies podcast. If you are feeling burnt out and you really do need some help, do not feel like you can't reach out. You can always DM me. You can always DM Amy, but go find some sort of outlet and know that it's okay. We all experience it. We've shared our experiences here. So you're not alone. So uh, rate and review, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.